before we get started, I need to mention that the Cyber 40 sale is currently still going on. A lot of people stop their sales after Monday. We're not one of those people um, or one of those companies. Through December 7th, you can use promo code Cyber40 and get 40% off any PFF subscriptions. Even if you have a PFF subscription already, maybe you want to get the college uh, edition or you want to upgrade or something like that, use promo code Cyber40 to get 40% off that move, or you're in the giving spirit, Christmas is coming, and you wanna give someone an awesome gift, use promo code CYBER40 and get yourself 40% off that PFF subscription for you or anyone who you love. Welcome to the Monday night, I guess Tuesday morning for all you listening, edition of the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. We're on to week 13. Well, I guess kind of. Uh, We've got a Wednesday game. Ben, we were just talking about whether this Wednesday afternoon game is going to feel like week 12 or week 13. It's going to be played practically a week after it was scheduled to be played. uh, Steelers, Ravens. I don't really know. I'm just glad that there's going to be football on a day of the week that there normally isn't football. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get bonus football, it's obviously a good thing. But yeah, we're missing out a little bit on the Thursday night football action. So uh, it's going to be a little chaotic, I think, from like a fantasy perspective. Of course, there's other elements involved, some things behind the scenes. So I don't know. There's a lot of stress testing of uh, certain systems and processes that are occurring throughout 2020, not just in football that are uh, kind of, you know, reestablishing some of the weaker chain events and things like that. So I don't know, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I definitely am kind of, you know, liking the Baltimore-Pittsburgh matchup a little bit, I guess. It's kind of tough to gauge uh, with the COVID situation and stuff like that, but it does sound like Lamar Jackson's going to be out officially. Of course, they got, you know, trio of running backs returning at least jk dobbins uh should be back i don't really think that matters too much but uh ten and a half is kind of um you know an interesting price at this point in time given what we know about the situation so yeah ten and a half is a lot i i will say this though rg3 playing in his first game of the season against a defense like that i know we talk about how defense is unstable and all this stuff but like that offense did not look good with Lamar Jackson. So I don't know what hope you have of it looking good with RG3. That would be that would be my take on it. I will probably lay off that game um, just because there's so much uncertainty and uh, I will bet some props. That's right. uh, that's how I will handle it. Let's um so we're recording this while the Philadelphia Eagles breathe out their last couple of breaths. We've got Jalen Hurts on the screen right now. I am just disappointed that we were robbed of getting to watch uh, a real quarterback play for the Philadelphia Eagles again this week. Well, I mean, we got him for one snap, basically. Comes in, completes a six-yard pass, and they immediately pull him out. Apparently, that was too much momentum for the Eagles' mm-hmm. offense. So they too had much to get Carson stuff. Wentz. Yeah, too the much. Philadelphia fans do not deserve that much good good news. So right. they had to put Wentz back in there, and I think he immediately took a sack. Oh, and and they punted that on fourth down. Yeah, it's been brutal. I mean, I had a good props day yesterday on Sunday. Monday, Miles Sanders had two drops, didn't get over his 17.5 receiving yardage uh, prop. And then Russell Wilson, I mean, this game moved a lot slower than what 
I anticipated. Um, I thought it would be at least close to the over, and we'd see just a little bit more offense, especially from you know the Seahawks side of things. But I think this is one of those games where unders kind of swept uh, throughout every conceivable category in the prop market, which uh, definitely happens. It's kind of why you try to lean towards unders. Fortunately, I was just on the wrong side tonight, but uh, I was excited to at least tilt through some of it with you. Um, but at this point, the game's you know wrapped up and done with, and uh, what's done is already done at this point. So it's time to move on to Week 13, I think. Right? The Carson Wentz no interception prop. It it gave you the it kept you awake. That right. was that was the key. We at least did on the prop stream talked a little bit about the DK Metcalf overs. Right. And um, that ended up being beneficial. Russell Wilson not getting over two and a half passing touchdowns is, um, well, uh, he had chances. Let's put it that way. Let's move yeah. on to week number 13. And I actually want to start with the Monday night game that was originally scheduled, that was also originally scheduled to be in San Francisco, is now going to be in Arizona. It's the 49ers. They're getting two and a half against the Bills. The Bills are minus two and a half, but also minus 125. So this might get out to three potentially. Um, and I am very curious your feeling on the 49ers and your opinion of this game. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually starting to see it get to three in certain spots with some juice uh, definitely added towards the 49ers at that point. So I do think we're probably going to see that market at least sit there for a while. Um, it might come back down to two and a half at this point. But yeah, I'm definitely buying in more to the 49ers at plus three than I would be even the Bills at two and a half. So I definitely think that's the side that you would want to be on. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan kind of showed it last week. Rams basically, you know, they continue to perform well above expectation given what they have available. Debo Samuel uh, had another good game. I think Brandon Ayuk's going to be back for this matchup as well. And, you know, the Bills are basically kind of what we think they are at this point in time. So I do think that the 49ers are definitely going to be able to keep it close. I think they're playing in Arizona. Obviously, home field advantage doesn't really matter too much at this point in time, but I do think field goal spread is just a little bit too wide uh, for, for the 49ers on Monday night. So that's definitely the side I'm leading. And I think you got to be uh, on board with that as well after this performance in Week 12, where you think <laughs> the market's just a little bit over-infatuated with the most recent performance of the 49ers. I, you know, I would have if this were if this spread were flipped, then I would have said yes. I, I don't understand um, the respect that the Bills are getting. I think the Bills are a good team, but this is, in my opinion, a slap in the face to what has been. Look, they're not going to win Coach of the Year, and I say they because what Shanahan and Salah have combined to do is nothing short of extraordinary given the adversity that they've gone through. I mean, they've right. just been decimated by injury. And that's why I have no qualms with the 49ers going to Arizona. Like, if this were another team that maybe hadn't, you know, there's no track record of them figuring it out through adversity, I might be a little more concerned. But this is nothing for them. You know, they're getting healthy on the defensive side of the ball. Their coverage has been just absolutely on point. Jared Goff and Rams offense, which had been doing quite well, Jared Goff had a PFF grade of 35.9, which is his right. lowest of the season against the 49ers. And the Buffalo Bills defense, I, I would be terrified about what the 49ers can do to them. The 49ers offense travels so well because they rely on short throws that then turn into long gains. Right. They, I believe, are third in the NFL in yards per play when they throw a pass short of 10 yards downfield. 
yeah. and they're getting they've had injuries all season and they're finally getting Debo and Ayuk back on the field at the same time they have Raheem Mostert out there in that diverse run game I love the the Niners here I like it a lot at two and a half being a teaser leg um, we talked a little bit about uh, on the forecast last night about the Seahawks as a teaser potential now they're going to cover the number because the eagles are an absolute dumpster fire um but this is another uh teasable leg so uh i'm out here hunting for another leg for a teaser and uh we'll see if i could find one at some point yeah i mean another option could be i I, we obviously don't have a line right now no daniel jones either but i did see this early on uh kind of leading into week 12 basically i did see the seahawks at minus eight and a half at the giants i hmm. don't think that number is going to hold but i think that would probably be um, another viable option for a teaser leg um few others i don't know the raiders maybe at seven and a half is that a position that you could potentially get on board with or you got do you have your eyes fixated on another spot here for the teaser and, leg i mean packers you know it's interesting there are a few games here that are uh line three and you know at two and a half so the texans losing will fuller i think that pushes them out to a three-point underdog so there's not as much value there um the falcons are also plus three at home against the Taysom hill show an interesting one is actually the cardinals plus three at home against the rams which i think is really interesting um and uh i I could see that maybe getting to two and a half i mean I don't know. The Cardinals did not look good offensively against the Patriots. I mean, they lost to Cam Newton who had like a 20 pass rating. So right. um, I'll kind of be monitoring those. I'm curious, though, what you are are looking. So the Browns-Titans is one of the more interesting games here because the Titans are now at the top of the market. I think people have been right. kind of fading them a little bit. But we're now in Derrick Henry is in, in the MVP conversation part of the, the NFL season, right? It just it's December. That's what happens. Um, and the Browns like squeaked by the Jacksonville Jaguars. Right. Titans five and a half. Are is is this one you're staying away from, or do you think there's an opportunity here? I think the Browns are basically the only playable side. I don't mind it at five and a half for the Browns. Uh, kind of basically for the reasons that you touched on already. We have been really high on the Titans, I think higher than the market, uh, basically for the last probably five or six weeks. I do think that uh, that market expectation for the Titans is kind of catching up to them. They did open up as three-point favorites uh, against the Browns, moved up to five and a half. I do. I would really like the Titans at three. Obviously, that number's not available anymore. I think minus four would probably be a spot where I wouldn't be all that involved. But now that we're getting up into that minus five and a half, could even see minus six. I do think the Browns are definitely um, the side that I would be targeting at this point in time. I know, like you said, the Derrick Henry narrative is strong and alive here in December. Um, But I just think, you know, their PFF passing grades are actually not as far away as people think. I think Baker Mayfield hatred is kind of getting a little bit Mm -hmm. overblown as well. So I do think uh, we're kind of in a situation like you touched on where Titans are basically at the top of the market. Browns are basically at the bottom of their market. And I do think that uh, just with where this spread has moved, that is probably the buying opportunity for the Browns at this point in time. Yes, I am there with you. And my thoughts here would be this. The Titans, I don't know. I tr- There are very few teams I trust to handle success well in this league. I'm not sure the Titans are, are right. one of them. I-, I think they are a team that can get behind themselves and Mike Vrabel when they're a little bit 
uh, when they're doubted a little bit, and that's what we saw against the Colts. The Colts were also banged up, and they also have Phillip Rivers back there, who I know he's grading decently well, and he's giving a valiant effort. Right. But I, it, they, their offense is just, it, it worries me. Right. Greatly. I think you touched on a really key point there, and it's like this whole idea of Mike Vrabel and the underdog role, underdog mentality. I do think that they embrace that quite well. We even saw it in their playoff run last year where they kind of relish that role, and I don't think, you know, being the favorite, being the team that's now in control basically of the AFC South, um, how well they're going to handle expectations of actually being the favorite at this point in time. It's kind of maybe a little bit flipped for them, so I do think that they could uh, potentially struggle or stumble at least out of the gate a little bit, which is why I definitely like the Browns. So that's my lean at this point in time. Okay, explain this one to me. The Detroit Lions are three-point underdogs. In fact, it's juiced towards... The Chicago Bears. How how are the Bears a favorite against anybody? How? Right. Right. And we've seen this before. You know, we've basically seen it both times that the coaches got fired in season this year. You know, the Falcons came back, played quite well. You know, once they moved on, Bill O'Brien gets fired, the Texans come back, and they both those both those teams kind of turn it around. It seems like the hate from match. Matt Patricia's former t- players basically is even stronger than what those two coaches basically experienced. So I know it's obviously a small sample size. It's not really something to really buy into, but I do think this is probably more a spot where you're also fading the bears with Mitchell Trubisky, who, you know, was basically not brutal, but not great. Uh, he had a better PFF passing grade than Jared Goff did this past week, which is, you know, saying something at least. But I do think that you're still getting the better quarterback with Matthew Stafford. I'm not quite sure on Kenny Galladay's injury situation. I think he's obviously a pretty significant factor to their offense overall. Um, but if he's if he's if he's playing, I definitely think, you know, plus three for the Lions is basically the only spot you can go to. There's no way you're really backing uh, the Bears as a favorite at this point in time. It's my opinion. I'm hoping that you're not going to try and sway me into that direction, though. No. So we'll see. No, I'm not. By the way, we're right now. The Eagles have a two-point conversion attempt to cover. Somehow to oh. cover after Richard Rodgers catches a ricochet Hail Mary. Did that go off the goalpost? Oh my gosh. Nah, I think it went off. Did it go off the guy's hand? This Jamal Adams or something. Oh, and they get it. That is absolutely fantastic. So the tease did, you did need the tease. We did need it. You needed needed the tease, baby. Can you imagine if you had Seahawks minus six and a half right now? I mean, it's just. I was on, um, I was on a show earlier today and they asked me about this. And for once I got a game perfectly right. I was like, you know, I think it's six and a half values on the Eagles but personally I'm teasing the Seahawks and uh, you just love to see it like clockwork Eric has messaged me on Slack because (laughs) there's nothing that Eric eager I'm not sure Eric loves his daughters as much as he does a teaser leg where the line doesn't where they don't actually cover the spread (laughs) right I mean it's the best thing it's I mean that it makes you feel so much more accomplished as like a teaser better basically when you know that the only way you were going to win is by actually teasing it that's when you really feel vindicated I guess and taking it but yeah he he loves it uh probably more than uh yeah, I, it's right up there with everything. You know, the key factors in his life at this point, which is great. So, some things never change. So, you'd love to see it. Carson Wentz, two touchdowns. I didn't even see exactly who scored. It was Richard. It Rogers. was Richard Rogers. Of course, of course Miles Sanders has no involvement whatsoever in the passing game down the stretch. So, uh, yeah, tilt oh. me in my player props tonight. So, DK with the recovery. Okay, we can move on now. Soundly, moving on. So. 
Here's a game I do like as well. Um, Saints at Falcons. I kind of, I mean, it basically took one performance from the Falcons for me to get back on the bandwagon. Uh, the team I just cannot quit, but plus three at home. Obviously, I think you're getting the better quarterback in Matt Ryan than Taysom Hill. Uh, everyone loves the Saints at this point in time. Falcons had a pretty decent performance against a Raiders team that I don't think uh, is that bad, you know, as bad as they showed basically against the Falcons last week. So I'm kind of buying into the Falcons at plus three here. Is that a situation that you could get involved in? Are you uh, leading the other way or completely avoiding this matchup? Okay. Here's where I struggle with this. Sean Payton has a Super Bowl ring. He has probably a really nice home in Louisiana, probably, you know, maybe a boat somewhere in like Florida or something. And also in his backyard, he has uh, a little cage where he keeps the Atlanta Falcons. Right. Like, you can tell me that the New Orleans Saints are going to start, you know, Cordero Hinton at quarterback. And, like, I just feel as though Sean Payton is going to find a way to mind fuck the Atlanta Falcons out of victory here. Um, It's a short number. The Saints are such a dramatically better football team all around. Um, Man, this is tough because, once again, I I totally understand why the value is on the Atlanta Falcons, especially because, you know, they were embarrassed in that last game. Right. We we saw this last year, right? They they did the exact same thing where the Falcons were embarrassed in a game against the Saints. A couple weeks later, they come back and win, right? Right. so, and it's the same thing as the Titans-Colts matchup mm-hmm. that we basically saw this last week as well. Two-week differential, you know, yep. two or three-week change, you know, division matchup. Obviously, the Falcons aren't in any sort of running in the NFC South, but I do think, you know, there's some level of embarrassment that happened two weeks ago where I think they could potentially play better. It was kind of my one read on this game. So that's, yeah. you know... They, they, they got a big be. win. You know, there's like, you know, they always, they might find a way to believe in themselves here. Maybe that they think the playoff field gets expanded to, you know, to eight teams aside. Like there's all these angles here. Uh, and if nothing else, it's like, you know, Hey, any, anyone but the saints. So I, I agree with you. It's, it's one of those plays where the value is there. I understand it 100%. Um, and if you bet it, you need to find another game to watch, which is exactly. tough, which is tough in this slate. Like the 1 PM games, there's really not a lot. Um, here's one that that I want to get your take on, and that is the Jacksonville Jaguars against your Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings, like I don't know whether to think that come from behind victory was impressive because they had back to back fumble sixes, right. <laughs> you know, like. But um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, my thought here is that um, the Minnesota Vikings should not be a nine and a half favorite against anybody. That being said, it's the Jaguars. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the Jaguars. I know you guys wrote this up, but I mentioned, I think it was it was really early in the season, I mentioned at some point the Vikings were going to get on this weird stretch. They were going to get hot. They were going to end up, you know, in the playoff discussion, probably finish 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9 and nine or something like that. Kirk Cousins was going to start playing a little bit better down the stretch. People were going to feel vindicated about him being the Minnesota Vikings quarterback. And I just think this is probably that game where, you know, last week they came back against the Panthers uh, in a one a game that they probably shouldn't have. I do think this is a spot where they could potentially roll. Uh, Jaguars are just awful defensively. I think they're dead last in our opponent-adjusted metrics basically on defense or 
right around that. I think they have the worst uh, pass coverage team from an EPA perspective. Um, so I don't know. I'm kind of leery that the Vikings are just going to roll here on Sunday, kind of have, you know, a marquee performance, get people hyped for them actually being this like sneaky playoff team, get people hyped about Kirk Cousins, and then uh, probably have the sucker punch come in here in a couple of weeks. So that's kind of my read on this game. So I don't know. The market's kind of moved in the Jaguars' favor. I do see it opened up basically around 10 and a half, cut through 10 pretty quickly is now sitting at nine and a half i don't know if it's going to get much lower than that but uh i could easily see you know this game either coming down to the wire or the vikings winning by basically three touchdowns is kind of my uh (laughs) one spot and i'm not sure what one's going to end up happening at this point in time but all right last game that i want to talk about because there are some games that don't have lines yet and that's why you subscribe and, and listen to this podcast every day um and that is the patriots chargers it's a pick it's in los angeles and um okay i'll I'll hold what i have to say until i hear your your take yeah so this was i actually chatted with eric a little bit about this before week 12 happened i thought the patriots potentially play pretty well against the cardinals so we did get a little bit of the patriots against the chargers at plus two and a half um obviously it opened up right around that number and quickly moved to a pick them i think you know there's not much relevancy in the numbers basically moving from two and a half to pick them so i don't really think we picked up that much value necessarily uh, but i do think this is a spot where patriots are going to play well i do think they're going to cover i would probably like them all the way out to three um they're just you know they for some reason still seem undervalued by the betting market i can't quite explain it or understand it um i've been kind of trying to fade them early in the season i kind of backed off that a little bit but uh, they're just a team that continues to probably just outperform the betting market expectation a little bit each week. And I think for that reason, I definitely think they're going to cover here on Sunday. What's your what's your read on this game? Yes, I have uh, uh, one thing that I need to point out. Justin Herbert is a rookie. I know he's, you know, he he's done some things that are impressive of late. He got a terrible haircut. He's dating a model. Very impressive. Okay. I, hat, my hat is off. But Bill Belichick owns rookie quarterbacks. And we saw Herbert struggle pretty mightily against the Dolphins, who, I don't know if people know this, uh, Brian Flores was the, uh, what I would like to call the mastermind behind the Patriots' defensive success. But really the point is that they do some similar things. And um, so I have a hard time seeing Justin Herbert coming out and lighting the Patriots on fire. I also, I also think that despite what Cam Newton showed on Sunday, that he's been playing better um, than people will give him credit for of late, and the Patriots have a, a legit shot here. So right. I, I hate, you know, I don't like betting into that number. I, I would have really liked this at two and a half, and um, as a teaser leg, obviously, but uh, it is what it is. And as a pick'em, I still think there's a ton of value on it there's no reason for me to believe that home field matters here and there's no reason for anyone to believe that the chargers are the better football team and anthony lynn just continues i'm sure he's fantastic at a lot of things one thing he is absolutely abhorrent at is anything nearing the end of the game i mean it's just or, or the end of the half i mean it's just a total total disaster um so yes give me the patriots yeah, definitely. Like, I think you kind of touched on like an interesting point. We are seeing this a lot more from the betting market uh, in general, but basically when we're 
you know, not at two and a half. We're not at three. We're basically moving to a pick them quickly because I don't think they're uh, really wanting to get too much exposure uh, to, you know, teaser legs on those games. So I think that's kind of, you know, an interesting observation, at least for the general market, which is kind of, you know, not really allowing some of these best values on teasers to happen all that quickly with the movement uh, in the lines because, you know, one, two aren't necessarily all that relevant uh, from a spread perspective, but they could be, you know, quite beneficial from the teaser perspective, which is kind of interesting. So I'll leave with this. I do, I did really like the stat. Uh, Anthony Tresh actually dropped this, but I think he said um, Justin Herbert's basically number one in passing grade under pressure and like 28th out of 32 quarterbacks in passing grade when kept clean. Obviously, we know how unstable. Uh, you know, passing play under pressure is at this point in time. He succeeded in that. Uh, that could potentially slow down at least this week a little bit. So I definitely think that's another reason why the Patriots are definitely the correct side in this matchup. Our boy, Anthony Tresh. Um, and when I say boy, I, I literally mean that. He's 13 years He's... old. So <laughs> it's really impressive what he does at, at age 13. Right. Uh, I also think I, your compliment did not uh, go over my head there. Um, delivering interesting insights is a first for me, especially on a Monday. And if you ask Pittsburgh Steelers fans, a first in uh, the history of my life. So let's close out here with some prize picks. Um, Prizepicks.com, where you can parlay um, player uh, over unders for their fantasy total. And you can parlay anywhere between two and four players. And uh, your payout is commensurate with the um, number of players that you pick. So, um, again, that's prizepicks.com. Why don't you kick us off here um, and give me a player or two heading into this next week's slate um, that you like? Yeah, so one I really like, Jarvis Landry. Uh, might be buying into him just a little bit too late, but I already said that I like the Browns a little bit. His fantasy projection, 12.5. Um, he is basically the focal point of this passing offense at this point in time. If the Browns are going to be able to cover, I do think that it's going to be because of a big game by Jarvis Landry. So I do think he could easily eclipse 12.5 fantasy points. Um, going on the other side, I kind of like fading uh, Cincinnati Bengals passing attack. Mm. Tyler Boyd obviously is, uh, you know, quite low already based with, you know, the quarterback change to Brandon Allen. Ten and a half fantasy points. I still think he's going to struggle to get over that. I thought maybe he would be uh, that security blanket a little bit against the Giants. That didn't end up turning out to be the case. So I do think that uh, it's going to be tough sledding basically for any Bengals receiver. But I do think uh, Tyler Boyd's probably a playable option at under ten and a half fantasy points. All right, I've got two for you. The first is Dalvin Cook, under 22.5. He's banged up. Maybe he doesn't even play. Um, But uh, if he does, they're a huge favorite against Jacksonville, and that means rest for Dalvin uh, down the stretch. And then um, I have a couple that I I like here, actually. Um, I I like Darren Waller, over 14 against the Jets in a uh, right spot for the Raiders. And I also like Justin Jefferson over 16 and a half against the Jaguars who cannot cover anybody. Um, so there you go. Two for the price of one. I do like your Jarvis Landry um, take as well, though. So prizepicks.com. Go there. Have fun. Enjoy um, all the different options you can get there. As I said, parlay four, get 10x what you invest. Ben Brown 
it's always a pleasure, man. I love these podcasts. Uh, it makes watching the just terribleness that is Monday fo- <laughs> nine football bearable. And I'm sitting here staring at Brian Greasy and Louis Riddick on my television right now. And I'm thankful that I didn't hear them call the fourth quarter. There we go. So there you go. I appreciate you too. Thank you, George. Peace out, brother.